This is Special Chronicles, giving respect and a voice to people with special needs. The following episode was produced in partnership with the Chicago Community Trust and Special Olympics Illinois. This live podcast was broadcasted on Facebook Live and recorded on location from Clarendon Hills, Illinois. The coffee of choice for this event was Dreamo's Coffee. Purchase your own Dreamo's Coffee OT today at dreamo-danielsmukowski.com. That's D-R-E-A-M-E-R-D-A-N-I-E-L-S-M-R-O-K-O-W-S-K-I.com. This episode 249 is brought to you by listeners like you. Please help support us at support us at specialchronicles.com with your tax deductible donation today to help us continue our mission of giving respect and voice to people with special needs. Please go to specialchronicles.com slash given. That's specialchronicles.com slash given. And we thank you for your generous support of our mission at Special Chronicles. This week on Special Chronicles, we are podcasting live from our inclusive city on the table 2017 discussion. Our one hour Conversation is coming up right now on the Special Chronicles show. I guess on SpecialChronicles.com. Thinking how the world can be so cruel. Lend my voice to those who can't. It's time we try. It's time we care. It's time we stand. It starts with a voice. You're listening to the Special Chronicles Show podcast. This is a show where podcasts and disability or disability stories from an insider's perspective, and we are giving our voice to people with special needs. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Well, actually, actually, good evening because this was. My name is Daniel, and I'm your host and founder of Special Chronicles. And I should actually say good evening because this live podcast that you are about to hear was recorded at seven o'clock in the p.m. in the evening of this On the Table 2017 discussion event that was, uh, as, as, as I said, it is, is brought to you by the Chicago Community Trust and Special Olympics Illinois coming together to have this inclusive city discussion of what inclusion means, what it, what, what, and, and, what and, and, and how inclusion is being done in our community, in our towns, in the in the media, in in Special Olympics with Play Unified and 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 uh, all of that uh, really important theme of inclusion within our town, within our city, and uh, it, this, this was done at the Village Hall, included in Hills, Illinois, and because it, it was a little bit over an hour, and we've got some uh, intro and outro stuff that we'll be doing here. We're just going to go ahead and, and let our live podcast play from uh, beginning to end, so you can hear that. And if you watched us on May thirtieth, twenty seventeen, when this event when this event happened live, we will we will on Facebook live stream doing that. So, but if you guys want to listen to the audio, that is what you are going to be hearing this week right now on the Special Chronicles Show podcast on SpecialChronicles.com. So, without a further ado. Let's uh, take you to the Village Hall in Clarendon Hills, Illinois, for our On the Table's 2017 discussion, brought to you by the Chicago Community Trust and Special Olympics, Illinois. White Hill on the Special Chronicles Show Podcast on SpecialChronicles.com. 
right, is everybody ready here? Get started. Thank you so much for coming. Um, Aaron is going to kick us off with a little opening, and then I'm going to explain what we're doing for the rest of the night. So, Aaron, do you want to? Thomas Cleverson said, all men are created equal. They have the way to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. My name is Aaron Compton, and I am a special Olympic and athlete. Thank you for coming tonight. We're going to have a dream. We will about we will dream about a city where everyone belongs. What will the city look like? How can we help build it? Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence. We was he was a big <coughs> big dreamer. He now it's our turn to dream. Thank you. Alright. Good job. Alright, so like Aaron said, tonight is about dreams. Um, we are here actually because of two organizations. The first is the Chicago Community Trust. And that is a group that for the last three years has sponsored civic discussion groups. Um, they've hosted this on the table program and the idea of bringing people together to discuss important events, issues in a fun way, uh, much like Thomas Jefferson and his cohorts would have done. Special Olympics got involved because they are actually celebrating their 50th anniversary next year. And the very first games were in the um, stadium in Soldiers Field in Chicago. So the hub of the celebration is here, which is very exciting. So that's how they got involved. And a lot of what you do with an anniversary is you look back, you see where you've been, what you've accomplished, and you look forward where you want to go. When you think back to where Special Olympics started, it was bringing people often out of institutions, often very isolated in their homes. So just even getting them out and into the public, into Soldiers Field was huge. That was monumental. But as things developed, they actually sponsored athlete leadership programs like Aaron is a part of and the Global Messengers. They have a medical piece to the to the puzzle where they a lot of the athletes their only access to medical needs comes through the Special Olympics through eye exams hearing exams and the uh, athlete exams that they do the physicals so that all came and as the athletes developed as society developed the question then became what do we do next so the next piece about 10 years ago they came up with the unified sports it's not enough just to have us all coexisting. We need to get us combined and unified. So the unified sports actually entail a partner and a, an athlete with needs. They come together as one team. And the idea being that this will further cooperation, working together, and, uh, and that piece. So that, that's where we are now. That's the current Special Olympics model, athlete development, unified sports. So where are we going to go next? 
well it's the unified city if we have these athletes and they're in school and inclusion is the norm then what's going to happen when they come out what can we do to make sure a city is open to all and will help all succeed so that's what we're here tonight um, Special Olympics is gathering data figuring out what can we do and this will be the philosophical part of the anniversary celebration will come from the work that's coming out of here. There were actually 20 meetings. We're some of the last. <laughs> Not that I procrastinate or anything. Um, and that's what we are. So let's get it kicked off. We have questions. And I think what we're going to do is break into groups because we are a pretty big group. And then that way everybody can get be heard. The other piece that we have is in back. And we had a uh, beautiful artist staying with us for two weeks. So we're making a community art project here. There's going to be butterflies on the table. And as in your groups, you come up with the ideas of ways we can be included, ways we can build that city. We're going to have you write about the butterfly. And then that will actually become part of the artwork. Um, so kind of a fun way to get things kicked off and add beauty. Uh, we still haven't figured out where this is going to go, but we're hoping that we can have it mounted um, after we're done. So, can I, can I add one? Yes. Quickly? So next year, uh, you can mark your calendars for July fifteenth uh, to the twenty second, two thousand eighteen, uh, here in Chicago. For they're going to have a week long of uh, activities for the fiftieth anniversary. I can't say exactly what they are, but. Uh, <laughs> But uh, that's going to be a, a week long of activities. Yes. <laughs> All right. Do we want to do introductions? Should we go around the room and introduce? Does that sound good? Yeah. I'll start. Okay. My name is Linda Murkowski. Thank you, Sopo. I'm a pediatrician at Downers Grove. I know Erin pretty well. Yes, she does. <laughs> this is Abigail McCurry, and I'm Amy McCurry. And we're um, living here in Clarendon Hills with our family. Hi, I'm Caroline O'Hara, and I live here. I'm Susan Hookstra, and um, I've known the Compton family for a long time, and I'm a special education teacher in Elmhurst. Um, I'm Matthew Davalier. I live here in Clarendon Hills, and I have a sister who's competed in Special Olympics for 50 years. Wow, that's, that's great. I'm Chantal Reeves. I'm from Downers Grove, and I'm a friend of the conference. I'm Mike McCurry, and um, part of the McCurry clan is somewhere around here. <laughs> I'm Suzanne Austin, and I started working in Special Olympics when I was a little kid, and worked with it for many years, and still do in the capacity with um, Illinois Gymnastics Institute. And Erin, when she moved here, was our, we were her welcome buddy family. Yes. And I've known the Currys and Caroline for many years. And Ann, of course. And I'm fortunate enough to be married to Suzanne. My name's Len Austin. Um, I'm Noah Curry, and I am sisters with Abby. <laughs> I'm Susan Tobolsky, and I am a Clarendon Hills parent. I have three daughters that go to Walker Elementary School. And we're good friends with the McCurries. And I was a school social worker, uh, so I worked with many different types of students and uh, was a big supporter of Special Olympics and uh, inclusion and all, all of that. Awesome. 
I'm Janie Kavanaugh. Uh, I am the mother of Becky Kavanaugh. Uh, we live in Clarendon Hills and uh, good buddies of Aaron and Diane's. Lucky to be married to Janie Kavanaugh and have Becky as a daughter. Father's Day is coming up, everybody. <laughs> I'm Ruth Devine and I have my two daughters here and uh, I live in Westmont and a supporter of uh, Aaron and Becky and everyone's group, uh, the ones working with the Special Olympics and speaking of. I'm Megan Devine and I'm majoring in special education. I'm Callie Devine and um, I'm friends with Aaron and Becky. Hi, I'm Becky, and I am it. It's for fun. See, I'm Elizabeth, and Abby, and Kelly, and Aaron. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sally Balkum, and I'm Diane's mom, and Aaron's grandma. I'm Ryan Compton, I'm Aaron's older brother. <laughs> Mary and Benoob, I'm friends with Aaron. <laughs> Maggie Compton, I'm Aaron's sister. I'm um, Trevor, and I'm friends with Aaron. Uh, oh, me? And I'm uh, Daniel. I'm um, also an athlete in Global Muscle doing Special Olympics, friends with uh, Comptons, and uh, the founder of Special Chronicles, a, um, uh, a nonprofit media company that gives respect and voice to those of us with special needs. So, Daniel has done a lot of work, um, different, oh, sorry, yes, um, different stories about people with special needs, different issues. He's actually uh, interviewed the entire cast of Born This Way. So uh, five out of seven. So five out of seven. Okay, sorry. He's got a lot Almost. of work. More work Two more. <laughs> Two more cast. So. I'm Anna O'Hara, and I, we live here in Clarendon Hills. This is my daughter, Caroline, who just Hi. started. Hi. Um, who just started in Special Olympics a couple months ago, thanks to meeting all of our new friends. Well, not all new, but our um, friends and Look forward to the discussion. Okay. All right. Well, do, uh, Mag, do you want to take the start working on the project with the kids? Sure. Okay. So they're going to work on some artwork, and then we're hoping they'll come back with us a little skit for us on uh, what inclusion looks like to, to them. So you want to go this, with Mag? And um, all discussion is going to be um, recorded, uh, and it will be available on specialchronicles.com later this month. We have two more people who are going to be joining us. Yeah. Um. We'll have you guys introduce. We we just I'm sorry we did introductions, and then we're going to have the kids. If Mary Ellen's comfortable, they're going to do some art projects and a skit. Oh, do you want to go over there? I think she might want to stay here. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. So we're traveling, so we're not really. Uh, kind of a... Did you want to introduce yourself first? Sure. Okay. Sure. Can I stand up? I'm Diane Grover, and I'm with Mom to Mary Ellen, who obviously has Down syndrome, and I am deaf, hard of hearing, so I want hearing aids. And um, Diane and Daniel asked me to come tonight. I'm super excited to be here. I think this is a really great initiative that you're all doing. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, so I've been from out of town. I sell coffee. <laughs> so, um, is it over there? It's over there. So I um, intentionally created a coffee company for the pure 
uh, intent to hire individuals with disabilities because only 20% people with intellectual disabilities and in the state of Tennessee it's actually 9% are working in the workforce today and that's for a lot of reasons. It's not all the reasons that come to our head immediately. Um, so my husband and I wanted to uptick that list a little bit so we created a company that will have an inclusive environment where we'll hire people with disabilities who work alongside individuals without disabilities and um, move that number up because it's really just not where we want it to be. Um, the inclusion piece of it's really, really important because every time we work together with other people, we learn about them. We find out more about them. When people start to work with me, they see this woman who has a coffee company and five kids, and she's very articulate. And then when they get to know me, they find out I am deaf. And I cannot hear. And I'm not so We think we know everything about everyone just by looking at them. Nobody sees my hearing aids and they'll say to me, I couldn't tell. And I say to them, you will if I take my hearing aids out. That's how we learn about each other, right? So the inclusion piece is really important because you walk away knowing a woman who grew up deaf, who navigated this world deaf, and who had to learn as an adult how to actually use real letters and real sounds because I had never done that. So my company wants to include everybody, and that's what y'all are here to talk about tonight, right? So I don't know any of you, <laughs> but I'm really happy to be here, and I'm really excited about what these two are doing here, because it's going to make a difference. It's going to make a difference in your community, and that's going to trickle out to other communities, and that's going to help everyone involved, including this girl. <laughs> She's 12. I've had nine years to grow a coffee company so she can help me run it. We're well on our way, so we're excited. But that's me, Diane Grover, Momo 5. That simple. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, and we do have Dreamer's coffee and tea in the kitchen, so do help yourself. And, uh, and it's very good. It is very good. So. It really truly is. <laughs> we uh, started with the mission, and everyone told us, oh, just pour anything in that bag. You have such a good mission. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. I want people to drink it because they believe in us, and then I want them to continue drinking it because they got addicted. And that's what we decided to do is have good quality coffee instead of just anything. So especially great, we're paying everyone for trade prices all around the world. Creating jobs in America for people with disabilities and making sure that people in other parts of the world are being paid their proper wages. So, it's good stuff. <laughs> You're okay. All right. Well, I think, do you think we can do just one group here? Yeah. Yeah, oh. My name's Chrissy Zanchek. I live here in Clarendon Hills. I have actually a, a six-year-old with autism. And I'm Amy's next-door neighbor. Um, and I'm happy to be here and learn more about the Special Olympics because I don't know a whole lot, but I'm definitely interested. <laughs> All right, well, let's get started. We have some, like, kind of icebreaker questions before they hit us with the hard ones. Um, so the first is, are you familiar with Special Olympics? 
what are your experiences, if any? So, uh, I know a couple of people have said they have done things, so. You want me to try that softball question? Sure. Okay. Uh, I'm Joe Kavanaugh. Becky has been uh, in Special Olympics horseback riding for four years, but this will be a fifth year. She's also been in rhythmic gymnastics for three years, which is the ribbon, hoop, uh, rope, and uh, golf. So uh, she's been doing that for three years. She's also going down to uh, uh, ISU next weekend, two weekends from now, to compete in the state Olympics. So she made it for the first round and will go to the state. Uh, she's actually... Although she's very good at rhythmic gymnastics, I'm most impressed that she will take a 1,200-pound horse, tell her what to do, and the horse will do it. And if the horse doesn't do it, she raises her voice, speaks sternly but clearly, and gives the horse the command again, and makes the horse back up and turn left and go through a, bear, you know, a, a maze to do it. It's fascinating to watch her do that. I, I enjoy watching her do everything, but just for her ability to control this animal that... Not everybody can control. She does without even thinking about it. Mm. And it's just fabulous. We've had really great experiences at Special Olympics. It's been a lot of fun. I mean, it allows her to be part of a team and to not be the slowest one in the race, um, but be part of the group and feel like part of the group. Um, it's been really good. We made some good friends. Um, through Special Olympics, and I actually, crazy enough, participated in Special Olympics down in Soldiers Field as what they called a hugger at the time, mm. which was uh, what they used to put at the end of the race. They used to put people like me, and I used to uh, try to stop them at the end of the race. <laughs> Basically, it was more like a hug, uh, but they don't even do that anymore. <laughs> but that was that was at Soldiers Field years ago. Anybody else? I got involved with Special Olympics when we were little kids through Shriners Hospital in Louisville, Kentucky. And my brother was a participant. He mostly did the, the track items, the shot foot, and a few other things that he could do because he was a wheelchair. But we stayed involved as a family for many years. In college, I chaired the Special Olympics for Greek Week for the fraternities and sororities on campus. And then a few other things, and now through my daughter's gymnastics, that is our, um, we adopted 501c3, and that's what we've done for the last 20, 20 years. We are 20th, so we're appointed a big celebration for the 50th year of the Olympics. I was going to say that um, what I, what I, I've just gone to a couple of Special Olympics meets um, and everything to support the girls, but I just love what I saw. What I saw is I saw it was an opportunity for, for kids to learn skills, to, to work on their balance, and, and learn a lot of individual skills that's just overall good for them. But what I really loved is when I seen the, I stayed for the award ceremony last time, and all these girls got up there, and it was their opportunity to, to feel confident um, when they received their, they were just so proud of themselves, and it was just amazing seeing that. And they all deserve that opportunity. So I love the special workers. Uh, I've seen my students like come back from 
come to school the next day after the Special Olympics meet with the medals, and they get so excited over it, and I felt like it really gave them a sense of accomplishment. Not only that, but it also allowed them to, uh, because they got involved in sports that they might not have been able to otherwise, so they were able to uh, connect with their peers because they were doing the same sports that their peers were doing. Um, our next question here is, are you familiar with the work that Special Olympics does on inclusion? I know from my personal, this is something I've run into where people say, well, well, we get two things. We get, my child isn't good enough for Special Olympics. They're not functioning at a high enough level, which is very untrue. Or you get the other piece of it, and my child is too good. And which also is not true. Actually, at the World Games in Ireland, I believe there were three athletes that would have medaled at the regular Olympics. So the amazing thing to me is that they use ability levels to make sure everybody can compete and everyone can access the sport at their ability, which is really pretty neat. It's not that just everybody gets a medal. You still have to work very, very hard. You still have all of that that comes from accomplishing a, a task and a goal, but you know, still everyone can access, everyone can participate. So it is neat to see the inclusion in that way, and then also the unified sports, which is really just getting started. Um, working with schools as unified partners, and uh, which is part of what got kind of hit with the budget this year. Last round in the last couple weeks, um, actually having Special Olympics in the schools, bringing the partner athlete with the athlete um, is just really phenomenal. Megan and Aaron have participated in unified rhythmic gymnastics, which we're trying to bring to Illinois. Um, So we actually had to travel to Atlanta and Indiana so that they could compete together. And just watching Aaron copy her sister and get that grace uh, is just really phenomenal to see that modeling is so important and we know that's what the value of inclusion is so um, so we're really working to get that and we'd also like to do a presentation for the 50th celebration of the unified rhythmic team so we're working on getting that together too one thing that uh, uh, Tim Schreibel the chairman of Special Olympics uh, said is that uh, 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 um, he would like to see every school across the country to have a a unified sports um, team and and that that will fit well with with um, once people are playing with us in schools, and then that will um, go out into the community, which will then lead to jobs, and 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 then it will all fit together. But th- that's something that I know um, Tim has talked a lot about: is to bring unified sports into every school uh, uh, across the country. How many schools are already doing it? Are there any statistics on? I'm sure there are. I, I would have to look it up. So. The um, unified champion schools um, is, in, I think, an education 
program they have. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I believe Special Olympics has um, um, has nimbles on that. Has anyone else uh, had any experience with the Unified, or you know, you guys? <laughs> we did. We have. Yes. Yes. We've been lucky enough, and I think some of that helps helps uh, the kids. You know, with the obvious things. You know, for us, it's always trying to keep the weight down and trying to keep on top of that. And so the sports help do that, but it also helps um, them meet other people. And I think when we have a unified team, it helps break down the barriers and the fears that people have of people like my daughter with special needs. Once they get to know her, um, it, they're not so afraid of of what Down syndrome is or what special needs is. They realize she's really just an average kid who wants to play with you or uh, run with you or dance with you. Um, so I, I think it helps break down those barriers because people aren't so afraid about or what they don't know. We talked about earlier, you know, what people don't know or, or they only see the outside, they don't see the heart that's inside mm -hmm. the person. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I was going to say, so uh, Kelly is uh, Aaron and Becky's uh, best friends, and I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 I don't want to speak up for Becky and Aaron, but I know that they're yes. Kelly's best friends. Anyways, um, what I've seen that, you know, it's why it's important that the kids are, it, why there's inclusion in the schools, and why the Unified is so good is because it um, teaches understanding of others, even though people are different. That's a skill that all kids need to learn. It doesn't matter doesn't matter who you are. You need to understand and how to how to talk to people. Okay, so there's that, and then just the fact that it's unified. Kelly um, recognizes a lot of strengths that her friends have, and some skills that they have that that they're good at. And, and just like everybody else, they have strengths and they can be recognized. And so I like that. The other thing is I also liked is when we did the Unified and we had asked another, uh, another regular education uh, friend that's in the classroom, and that girl loved the opportunity to come and, and be friends and, and to work with them. So sometimes we do need to invite people to come across to, to if, if barriers or what I don't know, but... To, to, to help them communicate more. I have a question. Um, my son, I have a son who's a junior at Hinsdale Central. He was helping coach a track team this spring. Um, is that what, and this was going on at Hinsdale Central, is that um, what we're referring to as, as part of the <coughs> program, or is this something that is different and going to be out. Yeah, so unified sports is you actually compete together. So a unified basketball, you would have athletes with needs, without, and they would compete together. With rhythmic gymnastics, you have, it's easy to see, you have a duet. So, And both are judged independently, and then they tally the scores together, and that's how they determine placement. So it is the next step. We appreciate the volunteers okay. too, obviously. Yeah, more yeah. Than, yeah. and they're actually talk of having unified track too. So that okay, cool. is on the part of it is getting the money and getting 
um, gotcha. the people getting resources, and so uh, that's part of it. But yeah, it is a very okay. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Makes sense. I I do know in Illinois, I think I believe we we do have unified soccer as well. Soccer, basketball, and basketball, um, yeah, golf, and I golf. The love we I was going to say, until I was exposed to this whole world with the Comptons, I've, we've been in Special Olympics with Abigail since she was little and then kind of totally went mainstream with the school districts, um, offered activities and AYSO with Coach Len and Mike and having her mainstream the whole way. Now we've hit middle school and I was kind of hitting this point of, boy, we really need to find um, an area that she can compete and because the difference was getting a little bit greater and I didn't necessarily lean toward CSPAR and Special Olympics um, primarily because I saw it as the opposite of inclusion so it's very enlightening to me to realize that the direction of special education or, or um, Special Olympics is to come back to the fold of the, their first mission was to really um, empower and um, embrace and encourage and all of those wonderful things for those with individ individual special needs and now that that's occurred and our community has moved so greatly toward inclusion that it's not catching up but it's coming with that same um, the attitude of now we've arrived here where do we go from and I, I didn't know any of this until a couple weeks ago so it's it's really exciting to see that that's the future and that as the word gets out that Special Olympics has that opportunity for a um, unified experience. Um, we're all in. <laughs> we've been in, but I just, we were, we've been wavering this last year. So it's been a really neat um, thing to think that it didn't end. Like the ma mainstreamed activities have not ended. And now Special Olympics is not kind of going off of what you said. It's not just for those of us with disabilities, but now it's for everybody mm -hmm. uh, uh, to be able to play on. And for everyone's events. benefit. Yes. It's not just for the special athletes. It's for the benefit of so many that don't know what they can gain from having that unified experience. To speak as a senior citizen, uh, I keep telling my son that um, I've got the hope in a, in a couple of years, I'll, you know, when I retire, I've been, I'm 65, I've been pushing that out every year a little bit more, but when I retire, I thought, oh, great, maybe, maybe I could start a unified team or I could join a unified team, that, you know, and do some sports, bocce ball, or I've never played bocce ball, but something that maybe I couldn't do otherwise, I have kind of crippled hands, I thought, gosh, that'd be great, you know, great fun to just be with a group of people that, that just want to play and... Um, so I've been threatening him to watch out. You know, like, <laughs> try to recruit you one of these days. Good for you. Good for you. Well, we actually had a nice experience. Uh, Becky, uh, well, we live in Clarendon Hills. Becky is in the Westmont School District. And uh, we had a, a, a very understanding gym teacher and the basketball coach that put Becky on the standard basketball team. And... Becky kind of played by her own rules some of the time. She's not the best dribbler, and, but you know they found a job for her. She, they, they were teaching her the rules of basketball. Everybody she played with was more than happy to have her on there. There was lots of encouragement. Same thing with um, 
she was in the running club and everybody helped her with the running club and she did a 5k this weekend and then well most of them 5k and, um, and you know the, the gym teacher for next year is saying she's going to be on the regular track team I'm going, you realize, you've seen her run, right? He goes, yeah, but I'm going to put her on the regular track team. Not on the special needs team or anything else. He's putting her on the regular track team, and he's got to work with her. And that's the type of thing we need. Now, it's a whole different subject while Clarendon Hills has stepped away from inclusion in the schools. But in this case, we are finding the right teachers and the right people to get things done to make our children advance work well with others, and become a member of the community. Because unless we work with them, and unless we work with any child to become a member of the community, they don't understand it. And they won't be a productive human being and a productive resident. And we need to do that with all our children. It just takes a little more time and effort sometimes with the special needs ones. What I thought was really interesting was the ref in the basketball game, because uh, he was very good at assessing who could dribble, who couldn't dribble, and calling uh, the calls on the kids that needed the calls and not calling the calls on the kids that were struggling a little. So that in and itself was like a pretty miraculous thing to have somebody who was willing to, to make the distinction in the game so that everybody could keep getting better. What grade level was this? Fifth grade. Fifth grade. Okay. You didn't find that they were more into the competitive side of it? They were still competitive, but they actually let her, they let her, they put her in and out of the sport. Nobody said anything that made us uncomfortable. Okay. Now, could it happen? Sure, I think I'm just curious. Like, as get older? Like, yeah, as is it possible? Get older. Yeah, absolutely, but... We were lucky that um, the team really embraced Becky. Becky's been at the school for eight years. Okay. So she's really had the opportunity to... The same school? Yes, because she had her um, preschool there, too. Okay, nice. So, um, you know, so she's been pretty comfortable at the school for a long time. Everybody knows her for a long time. And so that also helped. You know, she's part of the school community. And so, you know, year after year, people know who she is and... They work with her. Where will she go next year? She will go to Westmont. Is it a separate middle school? Yes, it's a separate junior high. Is that Marker? No, it's in the Westmont Junior High. It's over here. Right across the street from the Westmont High School. Yeah, it's right. Oh, okay. All right. So, our next question that is a little more generic How would you describe inclusion? I'll break the ice. Okay. <laughs> um, I guess that's always the hard thing to do is yeah. break the ice. But I, I describe inclusion as um, something that is beneficial to everybody. Uh, I was raised in uh, in a time when inclusion wasn't a word. Uh, we, we didn't have children in our schools that had special needs. So when I went to college, um, you know, seeing people with with disabilities was a whole new experience for us. So uh, I, I think it is a, uh, 
Inclusion is a, a vital part of a child growing up. Uh, my daughter, who is the same age as Abby and Caroline, you know, she 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 knows that they have needs, but she looks at them as very much as equals and friends. And uh, I think that's wonderful. Yeah, it's the same as, as race. You know? uh, I think it's wonderful that uh, children experience different races so that when they get out into the real world, they, they don't look at a, pe a person's skin color or uh, external disabilities, you know, that, uh, that may or may not be seen. That's what I see as inclusion. I don't want to put you on the spot, Peggy, but um, medicine, inclusion in medicine, I mean, that can often be a challenge. Um, just having a doctor know what your issues are, is there, and, and you're so great at it. So. <laughs> I was just wondering, you know, there's certain uh, professions like family practice and uh, pediatrics that are familiar with children with all you know spectrum of different abilities and um, challenges and the internists are now uh, because of uh, the new ones especially are becoming more familiar with that there's sometimes internists and pediatricians they become board certified in both so um, I believe that when you talk about um, ability to recognize the need for inclusion, it's starting to increase a lot, uh, partly because when they grew up, um, and also because uh, there's in their curriculum how to become uh, familiar with the different things you have to know. Because part of the thing is that there's this need to be uh, like an expert. You sort of hold yourself somewhat to that standard. You have to be an expert in this, and in this, and in this. And so uh, people tend to think that, um, well, we'll send them to this person. They're more familiar with it. They're better at it. And when, you, when it comes down to, um, and when it comes down to having um, enough people um, who familiar with kids with disabilities and particular uh, subjects uh, in there, like cardiology, etc. I think because of the with certain like cardiology, there'll be a lot of children um, who have disabilities because of either the heart disease um, took so much out of them to when they were born, or because they have a syndrome that has it. So cardiologists are generally very good. Um, Dentists, um, some of them are actually specializing because of the kind of hospital dentistry they have to do. Um, endocrinologists also. So um, a lot of times the academic centers are, are uh, more inclusive than uh, outside places. But partly that's a measure of insurance too because unfortunately children who have disabilities don't all have the kind of insurance that um, everybody takes. So um, I don't know if there's anything else you meant, but uh, but I was wondering about teaching. Um, you know, like sometimes you you wonder, I wonder whether or not teachers tend to say, "Oh, you're the specialist in that," and 
did the teachers with special education kids, do they mix too much with the other teachers or the other teachers are just saying, okay, well, they're in your class. No? They work oh, together? I'm sorry. You're, you're, you're a I mean, buddy maybe that's a educator. Sort of a I'm an older one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm kind of confused at your question. Yeah. Um, are you, as a special ed teacher, do you feel like you're on your own island versus yeah. being mixed in with all of the other regular education? What grade level are you in? I've right been, since I'm still majoring in it, I've been bouncing around through the grade levels. Mm -hmm. um, I've taught elementary, uh, a severe profound classroom, and a moderate to severe classroom in junior high. And I felt um, to some extent it is. Uh, the own island, like, is there's a lot we haven't communicated as much with the other teachers because the students are in the classroom all the time. And there's very little I've seen of the students going out. I know that we have been taught in my classes that we should make sure that we are talking to the other teachers, that we are out there like this, talking to the teachers of like, how can I get the student in the classroom? The classroom would tell, like, meeting with the other teachers, like, going to um, the staff room or whatever, and just making sure that you're building the connections with the teachers. I haven't seen it as much. I think it varies a lot, though, by district. I think it, it depends on the. Um, the priority maybe and the influence that your particular district places on that. Um, of course, for every district and every teacher, it's a matter of time. Um, having enough time to do all the things that you need to do, to talk to all the teachers that you need to talk to, and the more teachers that they see throughout the day, that's the more people that you have to, you know, train and talk to and be aware of. And then you also have to talk and train with your paras that are in the classrooms um, alongside all of our students. So I think it just kind of depends, but I know that a lot of our Jenna teachers um, have two issues. One, not a lot of them have training in special ed, so I don't think that it's a lack of them wanting to do the right thing. Sometimes it's a lack of them knowing what to do um, and just not having the wherewithal really to ask the right questions maybe. Um, so the more that you as parents um, can educate them as well of saying, you know, I really need you to work with the special ed teacher or your case manager um, to make sure that these things are happening. They're all given accommodations. Um, special ed teachers typically are the ones that will modify curriculum and make sure that all of that's taking place. But if you ever feel overwhelmed or that that's not taking place the way that it ought to, I think it's definitely well within your your role as parents to step up and say they need more. Um, I think what, else. what we've seen with Becky is that um, some teachers still have some bias about not having my child in their classroom. Um, and so what we have told the teachers after we've experienced this is that we want someone who wants her because yeah. we'll make a much better experience mm -hmm. for her. Um, there are just some people who just don't want don't want a special ed kid in their homeroom, you know, and um, but it may have to do with their lack of experience, <laughs> um, and it may have to do with the fact that a lot of districts again are going toward your teaching um, credentials, if you will, uh, whether or not you're considered a proficient teacher, is whether or not you have good 
um, you know, you have good test assessments at the end of the year. If we're just looking at an assessment, you're going to get a totally different picture of a child, all children, than you are um, whether or not that teacher really has proficient skills to teach the children. So it's a it's a it's going to be a cultural shift for everybody that's involved. Um, but I think, and the newer generation of teachers right. coming up, um, they're addressing those things. Where inclusion the, is in universities no. where they didn't before. And back to the question of what does inclusion mean, I, I, in a nutshell, I think it's exposure. And the fact that um, whether you're a regular ed or a special ed teacher, uh, the more you're exposed to children with special needs, you are going to become more equipped and more confident in your interaction with kids, regardless of your certificate. And regular ed teachers, if, if inclusion is successful, they're with those kiddos as much as the special ed teacher <laughs> co-teaching and and hopefully more hopefully like our daughter in middle school is advocated to talk to the regular teacher and I'm always telling her not to talk to her special ed teacher her aide because I want her to be able to talk to eight different teachers during the day and then those teachers actually whether they like it or not have to react and then become that better teacher and it really takes us as parents and children with um, special needs to create that that shift and um, if they're not exposed to regular education, which I think is completely necess necessary all the time, then those teachers are not off the hook necessarily, but they're just not exposed, so therefore we continue going down the road of not knowing how to teach these kiddos if they don't have exposure all day long. So. What, I was gonna add one thing to that. Um, on um, the show, um, Bonus Way, uh, uh, Chris Baumgauss, who's a Muggins mom. Uh, I don't know how many of <laughs> you are familiar with the show, um, but um, you should definitely watch. Yeah. Definitely watch it. Um, but Chris was uh, was a special ed teacher, um, but now she is Muggins' employee uh, <laughs> with her with her Muggology business. Um, but something that Chris had had told her um, after. Uh, they started. They started filming uh, Bone This Way. Is that um, um, someone had said that they didn't know that they could have a conversation with people who have Down syndrome, and uh, and I think by people um, either um, watching the show Bone This Way or by being included in in school and in our community and in jobs, then. Then they uh, like like what you said, like going up to the regular education teacher uh, or um, anywhere. Then we'll be able to have a conversation. Um, so that 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 was really shocking to I I think probably for Chris to to, to hear and and when she had told me that I was amazed that someone would even say that. <laughs> Too. I'm a trained teacher as well. It sounds like there's a few of us in here. Um, and a really important piece of this is IDEA is not funded. It's only 20% funded. And without true funding for a program, you cannot possibly ask a teacher to implement what the plan was. So when they did IDEA, 
way back in, I'm trying to know what year that was. I know it off the top of my head. I can't give it right now, but it's an old program. I think it was 94, wasn't it? Yeah, so when they, when they implemented it, it was with the idea that there would be the dollars that would support it to get the teachers the training, to get the teachers the support, to get the teachers the aid. That's not happening. No money, no bueno. We just got to wait. And then when it does, you know, we need to say IDEA needs to be funded. Unfortunately, we're moving away from that idea. So that's really kind of scary. But... Um, I, as a teacher, I would hope that people would extend a little bit of an understanding that if I don't have the dollars that are needed to do the right thing, the proper thing, and I'm trying my best to do it, that people have to understand it's not going to get implemented the way we really dream it would be. You know, And that's just a reality. It's unfortunate. Um, but money does help support the programs in the right way. And a teacher is only human and they can only do so much on their own without the dollars that help them support what they need to do. So that's just kind of a, a teacher side of that. While we want to support the teachers and encourage them and tell them, it's really an unfunded program. And we want to, as parents, make sure that we're supporting the teachers on that side of it and saying, I recognize that you don't have the proper IDA funding to do what you really, truly want to do. You know, And that would help tremendously. So just, just a little piece of the parent side. Yeah, and that actually kind of segues into the next question, is what are the barriers? And I think you hit a big one is finances. And, you know, we, you pay for what you feel is important. And unfortunately, IDA has not received the funding. And now certainly in Illinois, we're struggling. At, at, at all school level, we're struggling. So... What are some of the other barriers that we're facing? I think it's a lack of training. I just finished my a master's thesis in um, inclusion, actually, um, and looked at inclusion within the private sector um, and what was available there versus what's available in a public sector. And even though, like, in our school... Um, we're suffering already by the kind of things that you need. If you're a high-needs student, you will go to one specific school um, versus the three that are available. So you might be bused to one instead of going to your local, um, you know, middle school or whatever the case may be, depending on what your needs are. You're still in the same district, of course, but it's not the same school that maybe your siblings would go to or your neighbors would go to, which makes it difficult in that right as well. So I think you're going to find that it's very different from school to school. And when I asked people what they thought inclusion was, many of them did did not know. They had no idea. They thought that they were inclusive schools because whoever wanted to come could come. But then they had to be able to do the things that everybody else in the school was able to do because they couldn't take care of the other needs. So it was really interesting. I'm like, okay, then you're not inclusive. And they're like, what? Like, it sounds terrible. What do you mean? Like, of course we would welcome everybody. Well, you're not. I mean, if you're if you're going to exclude people, in my opinion, inclusion is taking everyone, regardless of what your need is, and making them a part of what the community there is. Um, and changing yourself for the needs of all um, and not saying I'm sorry your needs are too much for us or your needs are too it's different bringing the us. support to the child and not yeah. making the child, the child be the, the support. one that has to change yeah mm -hmm. yeah well actually you bring up a very good point is 
We have four children. The oldest one is incredibly smart. And he was well advanced from his school years. Yet the school was struggling to keep things going for him. So he needed special attention in one direction. And now on our fourth child, we need special attention in the other direction. And people moved pretty quickly when they had a really smart kid to give him what he needed. But we need to have that same respect and that same thing for Becky, who is still smart in her own way, but just needs help in certain areas and needs a little bit more time to do other things. But I don't know if you hear these kids talking over here, but all of them are chatting, having a fabulous time, and they are just like every other kid. They're not any different. I think a part of uh, inclusion that you always think about is universal design because for learning and you know, so thinking about uh, making an activity accessible to everybody mm -hmm. and not just the majority or sometimes the minority. We want it so they don't we don't want to make it special adaptations to it. We want to make it the activity so you don't need to change it. It should be good for everyone in the beginning. Any other barriers? So I, okay. I was just going to say, just one of the barriers that I thought of that I don't, I'm asking the question. With the unified sports, have you found that there's a barrier to kids are already so loaded up on the sports that they really compete in and are trying to excel at everything? Then for them to make time, is it that they want to do it? Is it they have a sibling that has special needs? Or like, what have you heard or found about Unified where, because that's carving more time out of their schedule right. to do another sport, which again, if they're not doing anyone any favors, I'm not doing anything like that, but have you found that that's a barrier that they will make time to get into Unified when they could be just on the basketball team? Just from what I've, um, some of the events that we've been at and we've been with Unified Partner Schools, what we find is it'll be the second tier athletes. So certainly the ones that are, you know, very successful, it's frustrating to me, too, with my other two, um, Megan and Ryan. Ryan was a runner, so I was like, oh, great, he could help. And Megan was a swimmer. I was like, great, this is perfect. problem is it's the same season, which is kind of nice because it's, you know, it's the same sport. But it's hard to volunteer when you've got your own sport that you're doing. So that is definitely a barrier. Um, but it's also a way for schools to bring sports to a broader population, uh, either with needs or without. So that's an advantage, too. They still get that sports. So often, especially in this environment, everything has to be win-win-win, and you got to get good very quickly, and otherwise you kind of get bubbled out of the sports scene. So it does offer sports for more fun, but yet you still can have some competition and work for goals. Um, but it's not as intense as like a traveling team or um, so it could be enticing for those who aren't necessarily the star athlete of that sport but they can access it and play and have fun and then yeah and sometimes you will see the star athlete too come that unified will be a little staggered um, and so they'll make accommodations for that so I think it's both ways there and on the, the job front, there might be some 
um, burials with with um, with some managers or, or or some bosses that might not understand everything that we might be able to to do. So I, I think with jobs that then there could be a lot of inclusion areas uh, there. So the next, and I think you know, we've got a ton of questions, but we're just going to hit the, the meat of it all here. Is, so building an inclusive city, we've talked about the barriers, the finances, the experience, the exposure. So what do we do? Um, I know jobs are huge, and that's why we're excited to have you here, Diane. Um, what do we do to build the inclusive city? What, as citizens, can we do? Certainly the government right now, the trend is pushing towards states' rights and you know, backing out the federal um, watchdog-type role, pushing that down to the states with the idea that locally people know better. So that puts even more burden on all of us to make sure locally we're understanding that and keeping our communities included or you know, what can we do to get over those barriers. So let's look at the barriers and also the benefits from a community. What can we do for inclusion in a community? I always speak out. I tell managers, if I've got the jewel and someone with special needs packed in my bag, I go find the manager and tell them that this is one of the reasons I shop at their store. Sometimes they're worried that something went wrong. I, you don't understand. I don't care if you broke all my eggs and smashed my bread. I'm still totally happy. But the reason I shop here is because you hire people here. And McDonald's has, you know, uh, special needs people doing whatever job they can. And those are the important things. We're not... Home Depot has people. I mean, you know, so I patronize the companies that patronize the things that I feel are important. And it's also important to tell management that and that there's a reason I shop here and I use my dollars to vote is because I'm here because you guys support the things I support. And unless you tell them, they don't know. So that's, that's, that's important. They, they think they're just doing a nice thing, but until people voice the opinion, they're not aware of it. So you need to tell them frequently and often so that the message finally works its way up the chain of command so that people know that that's the reason you're there. I think it's also important to speak up when the person that's helping you does a good job. Let them know not only do you appreciate the fact that they're employed there, but that they're doing a good job, that they've done their job well, and um, that they're valued um, there. I have a few times witnessed up at our dual um, another employee treating the bagger that was begging um, inappropriately and stopped the whole transaction to not only talk to the employee in front of that person to say, that's not okay, but also have called the manager over to say, just got to stop. You know, we're not here to berate these people and this person didn't do anything wrong. Um, but I think if we don't ever say anything, the trend is to let it go and let that be acceptable. Um, and it's not. It's not acceptable. 
My son has dyslexia, and although his needs are different from what we would consider a typical student, um, they're not visible like some other you know, special needs are, and he's told all the time that he is stupid and he's dumb, nobody wants him you know, on their side, and even teaching, you know, teaching his teachers, you know, what he needs in order to be successful um, has been really difficult, and the older he gets, the worse it's been. So, he just finished his freshman year. So, but there are things that we went three quarters of the way through the year um, before finally the biology teacher said, you know what, he did well when we actually read that test to him. Hello, that's been in his accommodation plan, like, for four years, you know, where have you been? So, you know, like, but not knowing that that's not what they're doing was just shocking to me. And I thought, we've wasted an entire three quarters of the year, and he's been feeling stupid and dumb. And then for you to say to things like, oh, if everybody gets this one question right on the test, you know, I'm going to bring in donuts for the class or something, and then he knows he's the one, or other students say, oh, well, Brandon can't do that, you know. Are you going to ruin it for us? Are you going to be smart today? Like, he can turn it on and turn it off. And um, I just find that unacceptable. And that's not the way to be the teacher, and that's not the way to allow your students to talk to one another. That's just unacceptable. So... Regardless of whether or not it's a visible disability or not. It is amazing what people will say behind my back or to me. And it's more amazing what people will say when their identity is concealed, say, on the Internet. Mm -hmm. But I, I turn and talk to people all the time when they say something about my child. Is I turn and I go, hi, how you doing? And I just rattle right into them and I just don't let them loose. And, you know, if you're going to make a comment, you need to know what it is. And, you know, typically it's, you know, it's about her glasses. It's about her glasses. Because she's had them since she was like three months little. old. So, you know, and they you know. turn when the sun comes out, their transition <laughs> lenses. What do they got sunglasses on that child that for? Baby, why do you have glasses on that baby? <laughs> Let me tell you why. You know? <laughs> and you know, you can hear it. And, and I, but I think that's why we have to get our kids out in the community. We have to yeah. do things with them. We have to be part of the community. I think that's our responsibility yeah. as right. parents. We have to take our children everywhere. You know, and um, right now we're participating at Notre Dame has a uh, food pantry, and uh, we help out. And she comes, and she knows what to do, and she feels so much pride from just that activity that we do a couple times a month. It takes an hour out of our day, but that gets her in the community doing things, and people then appreciate what she can actually do, what she can actually bring. She knows what people like in their for their dinner. You know, she knows that we need pasta and pasta sauce and. You know, those kinds of things. I think as parents, we have to remember to just get them in the community. And it, it's harder to do that. It is hard. And it takes more time, and we all don't have enough time and everything else, but we just have taken Becky everywhere from the word go. She behaves in restaurants. She knows how to behave in hotels. She's traveled in London, well, we're Mexico, you know, we're very fortunate that we can bring her. We do it when it doesn't work. <laughs> Sometimes you have to do it when it doesn't work, right? And yeah. People have said, you know, 
Oh, your daughter's so well. We're waiting for the plane. Your daughter's so well behaved, and she's lovely. I go, yeah. Well, let's wait till hour eight on the plane to see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Then it'll be a different time. But then she's just like every other kid. Yeah. So. Yeah. Chantel, could you talk about the car show? I don't want to put you on the spot, but that's really been an incredible event of doing with, not for, um, and getting them into the community, but in a position of leadership, not necessarily a... Uh, okay. In a position of leadership for the car show, I coordinated for the Downers Grove Kiwanis Club for the last two years. Um, instead of judging the car show, and it was to raise money for... Um, we, we do lots of different children's charities, from special needs all the way through to um, families that are just back to work so they can afford an apartment but they can't afford furniture so sharing connections which I'm sure some of you have heard of so we fund a lot of different charities and my decision was instead of using judges to judge the show we used representatives from our charities to judge the show this last year and um, Becky and Aaron were two of our best judges they um, ran with the 50-50 tickets. We made more on the 50-50 than we ever made. <laughs> because they don't take no for an answer. It was, how many do you want? Not do you want one. Um, and then the, the feedback that came back to me from our participants, just guys with cars who have many of them an age where they had never seen special needs people just out there being part of the group, being included was that the trophies meant more to them coming from these girls than, um, and it was the Miss Amazing and Special Olympics we did too, that it meant more to them than any trophy they've earned in any car show, hmm. no matter what. And the one gentleman said he was almost in tears when these little girls came over to his car and wanted to sit in it and give him the trophy and cherished the pictures. Um, so it's, it is, it's important to let these guys see that these girls can do things and they know things and they're, they're out there. And they had a mind of their own that and day. And they sure did. It was not what we thought they were going no, to do. No, our plan meant nothing. Yes. They had their own plan and they totally went with it. Them. And it worked out better than our plan. It really did. Yeah. Your challenges and inclusion and yeah, sure. and 
So as I, in, in my introduction, shared with you about my company, um, I'm just going to shut that up. Um, the reason why I started the company in the first place was um, when Marilyn was born, um, she, uh, we did not know she had Down syndrome, and she was my fifth child, and when she was born, the room went silent, so I thought that perhaps I had lost her. And instead, it was that they were grieving for me on my behalf, and I let them all know that they were all going to be okay, but the, the medical staff um, whisked her away, and then in a few minutes I heard her cry, and I went, that's just not at all how it was with my other four kids. We celebrated the day my children were born, and unfortunately, that was her entrance into the world. And so I started blogging about that, about um, when she was about... She had open heart at six months, and about a year I started a nonprofit um, in South Carolina because my husband lived in South Carolina at the time, so that parents wouldn't have to have that experience anymore. I wanted parents to be able to connect to someone right away after their baby was born with Down syndrome. So I started the Grand Strand Down Syndrome Society. We left when she was about two, and we moved to Memphis, Tennessee. So from birth to two, um, we had open heart. I started a nonprofit. Life was a little, I had a baby with Down syndrome. We had therapies. It was just a little bit much. So I asked my husband to move me into the woods, and <laughs> I decided to blog about it. On day one, I had 1,000 people following me. By the end of the week, I had 10,000 people following me, families all with kids with Down syndrome saying, we had the same experience. Mm-hmm. We felt the same way. It was also very negative for us, The the, you know, it was, it was just a ringing on and on and on of, thank you so much for saying that. So it got to the point where families were finding me, and I was then connecting them to their local support. And I named the organization the International Down Syndrome Coalition, and it now serves 250,000 families worldwide. We connect people. I'm not part of it anymore. I left about three years ago. And we connect, they connect families to local support because I believe that the real live support like y'all are doing right here is way more important than any online support we can give each other. Online, I think, is a nice um, additive because that's how I met Diane and Daniel. I think that's a, a great thing, but real life interactions are what really make us all more human. And so if a family is out there all by themselves in, you know, Pauly's Island, South Carolina, and they're not even meeting anyone else who has a child with Down syndrome, and they're only about five miles away, I think that's a shame because we can help each other. So um, long story short, when that became such a large organization, um, we got we got board and the staff, and it now runs itself. I have nothing to do with it, so I don't, you know, I, I don't even see their day-to-day anymore. And um, then what I heard all the time was, um, and I'll hurry up, guys. And I, I heard how important families start saying to me, "We don't, our kids don't have jobs." And so, of the two hundred fifty thousand families that were contacting me, now the message was, you know, thank you for helping with the birth of our children. But now we all have, many of us have adults. Can you please help us? And it was an overwhelming number of parents contacting me, asking me, what, you know, what about jobs? What about inclusion? What about employment? So um, after I left the organization, I took a year and I thought about that and decided that I was going to be part of the solution and help create jobs. So that's how it got started. Families coming to me requesting us to get jobs going. Maybe that's got an important thing. Right now, so. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I think the, uh, the kids have told us we are done. <laughs> so one, the last thing I want to do is we've got these butterflies. 
And if you could just write a message to the city here about inclusion, it could be one word, it could be a phrase, what, something that is meaningful to the city. What can we do to make this city included? And butterflies are often representative of people with special needs because they're beautiful, but they're also very fragile. And they have their own little needs and quirks that we have to meet. So Aaron, I think, is handing out some butterflies. And if we can, we've got some pens over here. I think she has those, too. <laughs> yeah, we got some here. She's a really quick. I probably could, could go off at the same time. Oh, but you want to shut it down? Yeah. Yeah, I think. Did you want to say anything else? Uh, well, thank you. This was a very fun event. And uh, thank you to On the Table and Special Olympics for encouraging and inspiring this conversation. Yes, I did. Can you say goodbye? Bye. Don't go right, we're right back. <laughs> <laughs>
And if you want to send us your feedback for anything that we talked about in this untaped discussion on on the inclusive city, you can email us an audio file or email to feedback at specialchronicles.com. That's feedback at specialchronicles.com. Or join the conversation on social media on Facebook at Special Chronicles or on Instagram and Twitter at Special C podcast and make sure to leave us your five-star ratings and reviews on apple podcasts on stitcher radio on google play and wherever you listen to your podcast thank you again for all those who came to our on the table 2017 event and for those of you who tune into our facebook live stream and those of you guys who are listening right now to this audio podcast uh, of the special chronicles show and we will be back next week with another uh, another exciting Podcast with uh, my mom is a special guest live at a brewery, and uh, yeah, and much more exciting content coming soon. And until next week, take care and God bless. Special Chronicles, giving respect and a voice to people with special needs. <laughs>